Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Anybody get offended this week? Today? Yay! Good, you did your homework. Anybody been ashamed that you're offended? (laughs) Oh, good for you. No, but I've watched this on somebody. They'll get offended. Not me. This never happens to me. No, it'll even happen to me. I'll get offended at someone, think I shouldn't be offended because I'd be a better Christian if I did, and therefore I get ashamed, so I can't admit that I'm offended. But if you can't admit you're offended, you can't actually get over your offense. You tracking with me? It is normal to be offended but you don't have to stay there. Does that make sense? There's no shame in it, but if we don't own it, we'll never get free. Okay, that's free. Awesome. So anybody found that you don't have any problem with offense as long as you don't do life with anybody? (laughs) Okay, okay, who here, who here has ever made this interior vow? God, I'm through with your people. It's just you and me from here on out. Or I'm through with this bunch of people. I'm going to go find a perfect bunch. Anybody found, you know, the old, the old adage is, if you find a perfect church, don't go because you'll ruin it. Because <laughs> the minute you show up or I show up, it's no longer perfect. The thing is, is we are meant to not just follow Jesus, but follow him in the community, in fellowship with other people. And that's hard, isn't it? That's really, 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 really hard. And so throughout our lives, there's usually two ditches. You know there always is. Oh, this is brown. I don't think we'll read that. There's two ditches. And one is individualism. Where it's my way or no way. And the other is collectivism, where it's, I don't matter, tell me what to do. I always get scared when people come in and go, pastor. I'm like, oh, easy tiger, because tell me the will of God. There there is God. (laughs) There is God. The individualism, it's all about me. Collectivism, it's all about everybody else. Who here has made some bad decisions in your life and decided you couldn't be trusted to make decisions? So you were running around asking other people for the wisdom so you wouldn't mess up. All right. So you know these ditches. And most of us, I've said this before, swing from one ditch to the other like a drunk on a Friday night. One and with about as much damage. True? We, and, but God is always calling us to where? The middle, the cross. And we're going to dive into that today. We, t- we had talked last week about how Jesus offended them by saying what? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And we're like, oh, isn't that nice? Man, you, I can always tell not churchy people because when they, sh- they hear that, they're like... Um, He says, eat my flesh and drink his blood. But we know, what was he talking about? We do know, right? (laughs) Some of you are like, I don't know, what are we talking about? 
He ta- we talk about it, about communion, right? He, at the Last Supper, Jesus did what? He blessed, he said, this is my body broken for you. Took the bread. And he said, eat this in what? Remembrance of me. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the remission of sins. Take this, drink this in what? Remembrance of Why is that important? He didn't say in remembrance of the blood. He didn't say in remembrance of my sacrifice. He didn't say, or, or my tra- this tragedy. He said in remembrance of who? This is how communion can become magical when we separate it from him. The whole point of communion is to remind us of him. Jesus said, greater love has no man than what? That he lays down his life for his... The whole point of taking communion is to remember the depth and breadth of his love for us. And so it's in this place. Jesus is this, this last supper, this amazing time. It's his last time with his disciples. You know, he's journeyed down to Jerusalem. It's the very, he knows he's only got hours left with them. And they're not showing a lot of signs that they're getting it. I don't know about you. It gives me so much. His name is God, by the way. His name is Jesus. Or we, his name is Holy Spirit. That's enough, okay? Whew. And in this point, right, I mean, they're on pins and needles. What is he going to share with us? And the height of it is he lets them listen to his prayer. And so if you've got Bibles, if you could open up to John 17. We're, just gonna, we're not going to do this whole thing. I would recommend it. Do it. Read it. Dig into it. Because it's amazing. And you'll need to read it with Jesus. I wouldn't recommend reading scripture without him. But we're just going to pull out about five or six verses. He's praying for his disciples. And it's verse 11. He says this, I will remain in the world no longer. Why? He's going to the Father. But how is he going to do that? He's going to be crucified, right? Like it's a, this, there's, there, his disciples are about to see the most traumatic thing happen. Their beloved die. And it's going to rock them to the core. Anybody here gone through trauma and you've rewritten, your, you've rewritten reality as a result? Anybody here gotten a, a skewed view of reality by going through trauma? Anybody? No? Okay, there we go. Those are my people. No, there's a thing about trauma. And Jesus is trying to get them to see, don't let trauma pull you out of what I've put into you. And he's praying. All of this is so that they would remain rooted and grounded in him through this. All right, here we go. Verse 11, he says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. The name, what is the name? The name is the nature of God. It's who he is. By the power of who you are, protect them, hold them, hold them fast so that they may be one as we are one. What? They're about to go through trauma. It's about to be really bad. That's all you got? That they may be one? But how are they one? How are they set? It's right up there, by the way. They are one to what degree? As he and the Father are one. How one is that? One, 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 one. So 
if we could pull up that first thing, that first image of the Trinity, God is three persons, one nature. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are utterly, completely one, and yet separate persons, and yet one. There is a unity that does not deny, does not destroy, does not annihilate personhood. But actually, they are most themselves in, the, in being God. They are, it is oneness. It is true. The Holy Trinity is God, one. And it says we are to be one even as he is one. Hopefully your brain just broke. Watch this. Anybody found that there's two types, there's unity usually happens this way, the lowest common denominator, right? It usually comes or it comes at the expense of individuality. Anybody found that, I, I'm, okay, I watch this all the time, but anybody going through middle school realize the only way that you will be accepted is if you quit being you? True? Like the only way you will be loved, the only way you'll be accepted is if you quit being you. He says that they may, we may be one as he is one. In other words, without denying who we actually are. Mm, Jesus, you're going to have to get it there. He said, I always would anyway. All right. He said that they may... So we are called to have oneness with each other in that way. Just hold that for a second. Let's just jump down. Verse 20, he says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also that those who believe in me through their message... Who's that? Us, right? We're not the disciples. We're the people who believed in the 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 believed in Several generations of belief... We believe in him. He said, so he's praying for us. How cool is that? That we believe that all of them may be one. That's, so he's, this is us. In one. How is that going to happen, Jesus? Lean in. May they also be in us. We are being invited into the Trinity doesn't it sound like heresy? If it wasn't Jesus, we'd probably strike it out of the Bible. We're being invited into the Holy Trinity. All right. That they... Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Why? So that the world, man, you guys, man, I'm, I'm scared. I think you guys are look like you're about to fail a final exam. <laughs> All right. <laughs> may they also be in me that the world may believe that you have sent me. You want to know real evangelism? It's unity. It is radically unified diversity. Because see, unless you and I are truly ourselves, it's not actually unity. You tracking with me? If you and I don't get to show up as who we are, then the unity doesn't count for anything. It's a cult. Cults love unity through domination and control by uh, uh, giving only one person a voice 
and everybody else succumbs to the voice. That's why it's so important that we are equipping, empowering, and releasing voices. That because, because it's in our unity, it's our unity is useless without diversity, without a multitude of different perspectives. And I said this last week, God was determined from the beginning to reveal that this is only possible by his power in the fact that he made marriage the means by which the world is, prop- is filled with people. And he made family the root of it. Anybody found that you're not like your brother or your sister? And you're really not, if you're married, you're not like your spouse? And in fact, if your unity is out of being identical, well, I love this. You know why opposites attract? Because if you're both identical, one of you is unnecessary. You can choose who. (laughs) I was here first. No, if we're all identical, one of us is not needed. Opposites attract. They're like, that's a horrible thing. Opposites attract. Yeah, no, duh. God did it on purpose because you can't have unity with an opposite without Jesus. So quit trying. But they offend me all the time. That was last week. No, in fact, offense is the revelation of the place that we need Jesus to show up so we can get the value that person is bringing to the table. You tracking with me? Uh, Listen, okay. I'm trying to keep this civil. Anybody done this? You've gone through a time and you just don't have a lot of um, emotional capital. And so anytime anybody offends you, you you push them off your island. Anybody? You know what I'm talking about. I just don't have time for this. I don't need your mess. I've got my own, (laughs) right? There's this thing. We use offense as an excuse, but what if offense is revealing the difference they carry that I need? Don't pop a vein. All right. Come on, bring it. Oh, oh, uh, gird yourselves up. She's going to beat you. So who's familiar with Azusa Street Revival? Right? Azusa Street Revival in the revival that has affected... Um, More, three quarters of the believers today are the result of the Azusa Street Revival on this earth. Do you know that it happened with 20 people who were radically different? It included white, black, Asian... Mm-hmm. Men and women, children, children, and different social classes, different wealth. Just in, within those 20 people who said that we are going to step over the barrier of offense. Remember how last, last time we talked last week, culture is a barrier of offense, gender is a barrier of offense, age is a barrier of offense, right? But if, you, if we st- st- step over, and I loved we were talking about this with Peter yesterday, that our, our common denominator becomes not our humanity, but our divinity. That we <laughs> are in Christ. Right? 
Jasmine, we were talking this week and we we're like, wow, we really don't have all that much in common, but Jesus. <laughs> right? <laughs> but you know what? That's a. Huh? And you still like me, right? We can, we can get together and talk about Jesus all day long, right? Like, why would I talk about anything else? Right? Come on. If we just find this unity in Jesus. When a couple of weeks ago, we were all up here and the Holy Spirit was falling. That's what I was feeling he was doing. He was bringing this supernatural unity. This unity is supernatural. It's not us, all of us coming to the same... Um, I don't know, the, to the same belief about all the, uh, you know, everything, doctrines, li- yeah. doctrines and politics and, you know, what's important, you know, to me or whatever, right? But it's coming to unity in Jesus. Come on. Right? Come on. And that's the place where we can be super different, have our own opinions. <laughs> Right? But still be together, Come unified. Come on. Right? Such a different place. Come on. Come on. So that, that whole revival, I believe, Holy Spirit was poured out because those people stepped over those barriers of offense. But do you want to know something about that revival? They say it lasted three years. That's actually a lie. It lasted 18 months till a guy by the name of Charles Parnum, Ooh. a racist who came in and said, tongues is the only way that you can know you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. What did he do? Diversity of expression was silenced in that moment. He came in and he didn't like that all the, all the races were mixing. And it continued for another 18 months, but the reality is it died that day. It died that day when you and I go, you gotta look like me or it's not okay. You ain't okay. <laughs> The reality is you and I are different and we must be different. Now, are all of our differences the result of Jesus? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> no. 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 I mean our differences as people. Anybody here? I, you know, what is it? Don't judge people because they sin differently than you. Right? No. We have differences that come out of brokenness. But we don't unify. Anybody here been part of a club that's unified by brokenness? And it's, you know, I'll, I'll support your addiction if you'll support mine, right? There, that is not what we rally around. We don't rally around our, the, our differences. We rally around our unity. All right, let's keep rolling. Because in the same way, it's impossible for husband and wife to be one apart from Jesus it is impossible for you and I to be, to be, to experience our oneness because we have been made one in Christ. In the same way that anybody found that being married, like going through the vows, didn't actually magically make everything go away. We're one. So act like it and do what I say. And nobody will get hurt. Exactly. Unity. We have been made one, but we're unpacking our unity. And the only way we do it is by leaning into him. He said, he said, I have given them the glory you gave me. Okay. What is glory? What is glory? Glory. Okay. It's the best way to describe it. You have the sun, right? The sun is a massive nuclear 
fusion reactor. Anybody want to go visit? You will be destroyed in a second. Your individuality will be toast. Our God is a consuming fire. All right? But guess what comes out of the sun? Light, right? Light travels 93 million miles to us, and it gently brushes our face. <laughs> out of this massive inferno comes love. In the same way, the glory of God is the expression of his nature that we can perceive. You and I are made in whose image? And yet we're all unique. Each one of us is unique. Each one of us is a revelation of God's nature. And that's why if you don't show up as you, we are all poorer for it. And you are, you are not your culture. You are not your background. You are who he says you are. You're not your food choices. You're not your sports teams. You're not your hobbies. You are who he says you are. And when you and I come together, you should become more confident in who you are and who you're made to be, not less. Anybody hung around somebody who was so awesome that you just wanted to crawl in a hole and die? That's not what it looks like. When you and I come together, we should become more impressed with God's goodness in us. And therefore, what do we have to do? We've talked about this. Confess your sins, your failings, one to another so that you may be healed, restored to the confidence of who you are. Because when you and I sin, we fall short of the glory. We fall short of the image of God in us. In other words, we believed a lie about who we are. That's why you and I are not our addictions. <sighs> All right. Oh, I'm giving myself a headache. Ah, uh, I, he said, I have given them the glory that you gave me in order that they may be one. Your uniqueness is what makes you possible it, what, what makes unity possible because you are the missing piece. You are the missing piece of the puzzle. Anybody here? Okay, we recently did a puzzle. You know what happened, don't you? The last piece was gone. That's okay, man. You don't think you're OCD until that comes out. Praise God, that's not my identity. But what I want to say is, that piece, you are a piece of the puzzle. You are needed. You. You're that piece with the little blue on the edge, you know, with little sparkles that, you know, we think is water but might be sky. <laughs> Listen, anybody here, okay, this is, guys, this is where the prophetic gets a little skewed. Anybody here gotten a prophetic word about your identity that got you confused? I just see, I just see, um, I just see an administrative gifting over you. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you. I just believe you are called to a life of singleness. Don't make me beat you. <laughs> what I want to say is, is the prophetic is not there to tell you your identity. It is to remind you who made you to, re to reconnect you to God, to hear him and hear reflected confirmation. If a word didn't confirm the glory he already put in you, you have very good reason to suspect it. 
and you may trash it. I'll, I'll sign that waiver. Mm. Because when you and I come together, you should become more confident and maybe happier that he didn't make you like me. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Glad I don't have to go through life like that. <laughs> he said that I gave them my glory. So glory is the power of God to do the will of God. The power of God, you cannot be you unless the power of God empowers you to do it. You track with me? You, anybody here tried to do you on your own? It's horrible. It's horrible. And then, so we give you this example of the light bulb, right? You've got the light bulb. I'm a light bulb. Anybody like, you know, that's a magic trick when the, the magician holds up a light bulb and it goes on. Right? Why? Because a light bulb must be connected. And it must have power flowing into it to be a light bulb. Otherwise, it's just a bulb. And you and I cannot glow. The glory, only who we are becomes apparent when the glory of God comes out through us, empowers us to do the will of God. All right. He said, I gave it to you that they may be one. I in them and you in me. How are we one? I in them and you in me. Our unity doesn't happen by us becoming one. Our unity becomes happens because we have become one with Christ. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, me uh, equal Jesus equal you. You and I are not one because we have somehow been fused. We become one because we are both in Jesus. A husband and wife if they attempt to become one, they actually each become half of themselves or one of, or maybe three quarters one and another. Anybody been in a relationship where you didn't get to show up? Isn't that fun? That is the way the world does unity. The only way we're going to be one is you quit being you. But in Christ, what happens is a husband and wife become one by increasingly opening, unpacking their unity with Jesus. And the more they become one with Je aware of their oneness with Jesus, guess what? The more they experience oneness. Years ago, I, I, I've told this before, but I'll tell it again. I'll tell any story on myself. Um, you know, I was really, I was having a particularly good spiritual day. And uh, I began to worry about Masha's spirituality. <laughs> I just, I have a servant heart. Anybody feel like it's your gift to help improve others? against their will. No, anyway, so, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, I need to step up in my role as the man of the house and lead our family. I don't know about you, but God speaks to me through eye rolls sometimes. Oh, do tell. Tell me more. And he goes, Peter, 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 Peter. You are, you know, your highs are higher than hers. I know. Your spirituality is higher than hers at times. But your lows are much lower. And her batting average is better. You and I each run our own race. Comparison kills that. Comparison. My job, even a husband and wife, is not to fix her so I'm okay. 
but she lives in my world and she makes messes in my world. <laughs> then go hide in Jesus. Your job, what about yourself? Worry about yourself. As you and I, if you're struggling with somebody, don't sort them out. Hide in Jesus. Because as you lean into Jesus, guess what? You might find out the problem is really you. <laughs> well, Peter, it seems like you have a problem with judgment. No, I'm correct. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to what? Complete unity. Complete unity. The closer we draw near to him, the more we discover our life. Is, that's why it says, in him we what? Live and move and have our being. That pretty much covers everything. In him is our life. In him, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the mystery. We're going to be unpacking Colossians coming up very soon. So you can read ahead. Uh, <clears throat> that unity, as we draw near, uh, we actually become more ourselves, not less. Then, then what? The world will know what? That you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The glory of God isn't substance, it's love. It's love, he pours out his love. Listen, too long, I, I heard this analogy, too long as, as believers, we've done this. Imagine a vacuum cleaner salesman comes to the door and says, you should buy my vacuum cleaner. And they're like, I feel pretty good, I, I'm doing okay. No, you need my vacuum cleaner and throws dirt on your carpet. Don't you see what a mess you have here? Wait, what? I was doing good till you showed up. No, you're a worm and not a man. If you pay this amount of money, we'll get you a vacuum cleaner after you die. Do you see what I did there? No, no. What God does, God comes in. What does Jesus do? I, right before this, he washes what? Feet. Don't do it. World will know we are his. We belong to him when he comes shining out of our eyeballs. When his love flows out of us. They will know it because we are cleaning up messes we never made. Anybody here, I'm not cleaning that up. <laughs> Instead, we cover, it says love covers a multitude of sins. Oh no, we need some judgment here. Do we now? doesn't say love fixes other people, by the way. Just curious. Uh, you know what a fixer is, right? Somebody who assassinates people for the mob. I found that most fixers in the church are part of the same industry. <laughs> so people are like, I want to change my identification. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I've been the worst of fixers. I have been. And the, with orphans. Oh, they were begging to be fixed. <laughs> Against their will. <laughs> then the world will know that you have sent me and I and have loved me, love them even as you have loved me. Father, by the way, 
God loves us the same way he loves, the Father loves us the same way he loves Jesus. And Jesus didn't sin. His love knows no bounds. No, that's why nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing. Why? Because you've been made one with him. Not even sin. Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Because this is the other thing. Paul talks about it in Ephesians. He said, we are seated in heavenly places. Is this heavenly places? What, what does that mean? We are seated in Christ, in him. And as we more and more unpack our oneness with Jesus, guess what happens? We start to see things from his perspective. You know, God's never had a bad day. He, anybody want that world? Where nothing bothers you? No matter how bad the storm is, you still sleep? That's what he's calling us to. He's calling us to this unity. And so th this is where I want to end. If you guys can flip over. This is why Paul talks in 2 Corinthians 5. This last thing. I'll get there eventually. If I had my Bible, I'd already be there. <laughs> Just want you to know that. Hey, isn't that the hardest thing, using somebody else's Bible? You're like, man, your Bible's backwards. You've got like the New Testament first or something. I don't know. Anyway, let's get there. Chapter 5. Uh, let's go for this. Verse 14. For God, Christ's love compels us. Right? That's what real evangelism is. It's compelled by the love of God, uh, bringing love to a dying world. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced. What, what makes them convinced? What, what, what compels them? How does, how does that love compel them? It's because we are convinced that one died for all. One died. There's no more sacrifice needed. Even if you want to sacrifice your neighbor, you can't. It's already been done. One died for all, and therefore all died. Our unity comes out of our death. Death to what? We talked about this in Galatians. Death to self-effort. Unity always breaks down when I try to do me on my own, or I try to do you. All died. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, of themselves, from themselves, but from, for, through him who died for them and was raised again. So therefore, that's what drives, that's what the love compels us to this ministry. He calls it of reconciliation, reconciling the world to God because God never had a problem with the world. It was the world that was an enemy in its own mind. And he said, he, that's our ministry. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view or another translation after the flesh. What does that mean? When you show up in front of me, I don't see who you are presenting. Anybody here? You work really hard. To, no, don't wave a hand on this one. Uh, you at other times have presented a picture that was completely different than who you are because you were convinced that you would never be accepted right? I, Jesus, we no longer know anybody according to who they present themselves or who we uh, judge them or accuse them or the words of the enemy, whatever. Who, how do we know them? If we don't know them according to a worldly point of view, how do we know them? If there's a worldly view and a God's view. heavenly or God's view, right? So the, uh, 
world, heaven. Don't go to hell, please. <laughs> There's a hell view. That's usually very similar to the worldly one. Anyway, heavenly. Why? Because I'm seated in heavenly places. So if I know you not according to the world, not according to who you even think you are, because your reality, your individuality, your personhood, you haven't even fully unpacked. That's why we need each other. We need each other to go, you know what I like about you? No, I have no idea. I don't like anything about me. This is what I like about you. <gasps> I didn't even know that was in there until you said that, but that's true. Yeah, that's where the prophetic comes because it speaks something you've never heard before and you go, oh, it is true, my heart sings, right? That's what the real prophetic does. It, 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 unleash, it, un, it looses a person to have a heavenly perspective about themselves. And that's why we need each other because you and I will never unpack our individuality by ourselves. In the same way that a puzzle piece is only only works when it finds its space in the puzzle. So we no longer know anyone according to a worldly point of view. How can you tell it's a worldly point of view? Because it has worldly emotions attached to it. Judgment, accusation, lack of love. But if it has the fruit of the spirit, it's going to be a heavenly perspective. For Christ's love, this is how Jesus on the cross next to a convicted criminal could look him in the eye and go, see you today in paradise. Why? Man, I don't know about you, but that would really mess my prophetic gifting. <laughs> right? Because he did not know that man after the flesh. That's why Jesus, when he had conversations, people asked him questions. He always seemed to not answer their question. Why? Because he didn't know them after the flesh. He answered the true heart question. Here we end. Therefore, 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 if anyone is in Christ, united with Christ, in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. New creation. What does that mean? New creation, it actually means totally other. It's not like you just got renewed, right? It's like it's a certified pre-owned car. It's not that. It is brand new, empowered by God. You are a brand new creation. Why? Because you are connected into God. A new creation. Anyone, even your neighbor, even your spouse, anyone is in Christ, they are a brand new creation. And when we know people after the flesh, we forget that. Anybody? When we choose to know each other after the flesh, we deny the new creation. Anybody here have a bad day and need to be reminded of your own new creation? That's where the body comes in. That's when, when I said confess the sin, it's like, I did this. And they're like, that's not who you are. I know who you are. A new creation, the old has gone and the new has come. If we could just take a second, close your eyes. I believe every single one of us has two or three people in our lives that we could start with getting a heavenly perspective on. <laughs> Papa, but it starts with repentance. Lord, forgive us for the ways that we've allowed offense to block us 
from being able to see your kids the way you see them. Forgive us for allowing judgment and accusation to empower us to partner with the enemy's accusations rather than your declarations of life. Lord, we ask you anew and afresh, give us your eyes to see. Give us your, your ability. Lord, thank you. You are calling us to oneness. Thank you that I have value that I don't even know and I'll never know if I don't get with people that are different than me. Thank you, Father. I ask right now that every place where I have built a barrier of offense, you would take it out. I give it to you and I ask you, show me them anew and afresh. Show me them anew and afresh. If we could have the worship team come up. What I would really, I really believe is that, you know, the most powerful prophetic words are not on this date, this will happen, but it is, I know who you are. I know who you are. There is not a single one of us here today that doesn't need someone to look us in the eye and say, I know who you are after the spirit. Now, I would really encourage you, take some time as we're leaving today to, to, to look two or three people in the eye and ask and sh tell them, who you see them in Jesus to be. Honestly, no more prophetic act will do more violence to hell than that. If we can stand. Father, we love you. We worship you. We thank you that we cannot be one in and of ourselves, but you have made us one. Give us the, the courage to unpack that. We lay aside the self-powered life of trying to become one or eliminating other people. We say, Lord, overwhelm us with your goodness. Overwhelm us with your love. We adore you.